Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May, and today I have with me Jessica Klasnick. She is a certified life coach with the Life Coach School and a graduate of Rama Institute for Applied Yogic Science and Technology. Hi, Jessica. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today. And again, we chatted about this right before we went live, but um, you have so many facets to your practice, I feel like, that are so relevant. And so it was hard for me to pick just one topic. <laughs> so um, I first, like, I want to start with your story, where you, how you got to be to where you are right now as your the certified life coach and um, and doing that thing in your life. But also I know you've implemented in your own family life too, and taken that in a very unique and it seems like fulfilling direction. So I want to hear all about that. Yeah. I love how you brought that up because I think so often as women, we lose sight of the fact that we're like very multidimensional, multifaceted humans, right? We just think we are a mom or we're a wife. We don't realize that we're all of these things at once. And so my story kind of started off about five or six years ago, my husband, Matt and I, we had been married about oh, 13 or 14 years at that point. And we were living the very typical American life. We lived in the suburbs of Colorado. We had three kids. We had a suburban house. He worked at a fortune um, 500 company on wall street. So we had all of the things you would typically want. Say we had the bucket list items checked off all the things you would want. And we were really sitting there evaluating our life. And we were saying, you know, we, we have all these things we're living the standard American life, why do we not feel fulfilled? What's going on here? Like we're grateful for all of these things. And we really started looking into it and we decided it was because we weren't prioritizing the things that were important to us, right? We looked at what society said we should be wanting. We weren't really looking at what we wanted. So we started reevaluating. We started reprioritizing and that led to some big changes for our family. Um, off of the bat, we, we decided we wanted more time together. So we brainstormed, like, should my husband quit his job? And maybe I'd start working, but he didn't have to travel so much. Or should we, you know, just take some time off? What would that look like? And ultimately, we decided that um, I was going to homeschool my boys and we were going to travel with him in his sales job around the U.S. So we did that for a year. 
Eventually that led to him leaving that job. Um, and we rented out our house in the suburbs and we took a trip around the world for a year with our kids. Cool. Yeah. You know, that led to us selling everything we owned and moving to the mountains. We lived in an RV for a month and traveled in an RV. So we really started to reprioritize and go after all these things that we wanted that really, if I'm being honest with you, we were just too scared to go after before. We were too scared of stepping outside that cultural programming or that cultural norm of what we we should want. And Mm -hmm. so we did that for several years. And, you know, what led me to women's life coaching was along the way, people would say, oh, you're so lucky. I always dreamed of doing that. Or I wish we had more money. We would do that. And, you know, we were not trust fund babies. We saved our pennies and we used our savings and um, we did some alternative ways of keeping our costs down and we went after it. So I, I decided working with women is the way you can create the most impact. So instead of women thinking, gosh, I wish I could do that, I start to teach them how to do that, how to create the things they want in their life, how to you know, do things and not and feel scared and feel uncertain and do them anyway to really create the life that they want. Oh, I love that. Oh, so many things, so many things. And the, the thing that's just right at the, the uh, tip of my tongue right now is also do the things and not feel guilty. Oh my gosh. Like, yes. yeah, I mean, you've brought up the shoulds and, you know, the should be and the should we and the, all those shoulds. And so I think that's, I think it comes up a lot for men as well. But I think especially for women, women that have children and that, you know, are sort of the matriarchs of their family, there's so many shoulds and pressures and uh, this ingrained self-sacrifice for for the good and the better of the family at the cost of fulfillment. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I work a lot with that with my clients because whenever we feel guilty for something, that means that we feel like something needs to be fixed or we have to change something, right? If we just understand that it's okay, like a a very common term now is you can have a permission slip to do that so you don't feel guilty, right? When you give yourself permission to do what you want and make that okay, you really can go after so many things you didn't think were necessarily obtainable or even possible for you. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think also too, like guilt is definitely like can be cultural and subcultural too. Like there are, you know, some cultures that like the guilt is more ingrained and other cultures where it is more okay and actually uh, supported and taught to feel more free and to go after your dreams and Um, so I think it's, I think it's really, uh, honorable that you're helping this subgroup of women really understand that it is okay, because that's going to like fulfill so many other things. And, you know, in the life, you know, it's so connected. Yeah. Like I'm talking about it on a macro level here with like going after these big dreams, but what about like the guilt we feel is as mothers or as wives for not doing the things we think we should, or as friends, like the guilt between women friendships or even mother daughter friendship or mother daughter relationships. There's just so much guilt there that, you know, we deal with it on a macro level, but we also can start confronting it on a micro level as well. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I was actually just having a conversation with a friend of mine about 
this, you know, the dynamic between, uh, you know, two girlfriends and yeah. it's, you know, it's like, well, there's the giving and then, but then there's, if it's, if the giving is not received in the way they expected, now there's the guilt for their feelings that they feel along the way. And so <laughs> I think that, ought, ought, that perfectly brings us to, um, cause I don't know if a lot of my audience is familiar with the life coach school in general. Okay. I myself am also a student of the life coach school. You're a certified coach with the life coach school, which is yeah. fantastic. Um, so can you take us through like where feelings fits into that and th- thoughts and feelings? It's sort of like a big tenant and a big foundation yes. to that. So let's, I mean, let's unpack that for a minute. Let's unpack this. <laughs> this is so powerful for people to understand. Okay. So we think that all of these things happen in our lives and, and that could be like, we get a job or we don't get a job. Our, you know, kids don't put their iPads away when they say they will, you know, friends don't show up for us like we want them to. So all of these things happen in our lives. And we think that that makes us feel a certain way. My husband, didn't bring me flowers on Mother's Day, so I feel sad. Now, what we're missing here is that in between that thing happening and us feeling sad, we have a lot of thoughts in our minds. Now, I work a lot with thoughts because I work with them on both the conscious level through coaching and then the subconscious level through prescriptive meditations. And they're so important because we download thousands of thoughts with every blink of an eye and we don't realize it because our brain is so smart and just keeps picking out the thoughts that we've had before. So we think we're only having a couple thoughts, but there's so much in our head that we don't even realize that once we realize that, oh, my husband not giving me flowers on Mother's Day doesn't make me sad. It's actually the thought He doesn't love me because he didn't get me flowers. That makes me feel sad. So just that one little insert of a thought can change everything because now I'm aware that it's my thought that he doesn't love me that's making me sad. And I can start questioning it. I'm like, wait a minute. We've been married 17 years. He's the best husband. I like love him. Of course he loves me. And I can start to question is that true or not? And then that will change everything. Yes. Yes. So it's the, what we give the meaning to, right? So yeah, we have the feeling it's actually the feeling is caused by the thought. And that thought is also like, we're giving meaning to it. So, you know, yes, we have the thought he doesn't love me. And that means a, B or C. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And we know that this is true because another woman could not get flowers on Mother's Day for her husband. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad he saved the money. That's no big deal. She's having one different thought about the very same situation. And that creates another feeling for her that's like, who cares or neutral or whatever. It's different than sad. So that's why we know that that's true. Yes. And I think so much of this is patterned, ingrained, taught. And so again, it's that awareness. Now that we have this awareness of our thoughts and that our thoughts are creating our feelings. Now what? 
<laughs> well, that's, I think this is so, so great to bring up because immediately people are like, well, now that I know this, I'm going to change every thought. And that's actually not the point. The point is like, once you can have this awareness, then you get to decide what you want to do. I mean, cause here's the deal. Maybe sometimes I really do want to just feel sad that my husband didn't get me flowers on mother's day. And that is okay. I can choose exactly. to feel that. Or maybe I just want to feel neutral so I can pick another thought, right? And then sometimes there's situations that are going to happen that we, we they're, they're negative circumstances. We lose somebody we love. We get hurt by somebody we love. And we want to be aware of why we're feeling sad. And that's perfectly okay. So I think the awareness is the first step. And then if you decide you want to do something different, we'll go ahead. But that's kind of like the cherry on top. That's like, good, good for you. If you want to change it, go for it. But first, let's understand why we want to. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah, I want to, you know, throw in there that this is not in any way, shape or form saying that any feelings are wrong, bad, not good, right. inappropriate. All the feelings are all okay all the time. And it's okay right. for us to feeling and I think feel them. And I think that's also something that culturally we're sort of taught out of is that we're taught oh to don't feel your feelings. Don't express your feelings. If you are, I don't want to know them. I don't want to see them. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yes. yeah. well, what about even like with children, like, oh, you know, little Tommy hurt your feelings when he said that. It's like, no, Tommy didn't hurt your feelings. He said something, you had a thought about it and that thought hurt your feelings, right? So, I mean, yeah. the whole feeling thing comes at us like ever, you know, from us being young up into adulthood, not being able to show our feelings. It's, it's definitely something to recognize. Yes. Oh, so powerful. Love it. Um, okay. So the next thing I want to bring up that I also loved, sorry, I'm just like bullet pointing through your website, like little phrases and things that stood out to me. Um, a sovereignty of human experience. I love that phrase. And I, I think it like definitely like ties into all the other things that we've just been talking about, but what does that really mean to yeah. you, especially to you as, as the coach, as people are coming to you for help? So what does that mean for you? Yeah, I, there's definitely a couple different layers to this on the kind of the biggest layer we're looking at is that we definitely live lives that we think we should be living, right? I know when I was in college, my dad encouraged me to get a computer degree because he thought computers were the wave of the future. So true they were, but I like, I am not a computer person and anybody that knows me is listening is like choking knowing that I got a computer degree. So, right, we do these things that are expected of us or these things that we think will make us successful or make us happy. We don't ever really check in with if that's what we want as a human. Are those the gifts that we have to share? Are those the things that are really going to fulfill us? And so having the sovereignty of the human experience is really living a life that rings true to you. It shouldn't look like anybody else's life. In fact, I purposefully follow people on social media that I know have different views of me or different views of the world because I want to question my own views of my human experience to make sure it really rings true with me and it's not something I think I should be, be believing. So just 
just questioning is what I believe my own thoughts or are they my parents' thoughts or are they the thoughts I think I should be having because of the neighborhood I live in or the job I have. So I think that's part of it. I think the second part of that is really owning what you discover. That can be so scary, right? If we look at my husband, he was 43 years old when he quit a prestigious job on Wall Street. He was a VP there. I can't tell you the number of times people were like, what are you doing? You're at the height of your career. Are you crazy? And he's like, no, like, this is not my path. This is not what I want to be doing with the rest of my life. It served me so well. I've loved that I've done this for 20 years, but I'm moving on. Most people won't do that because they're so scared. What if I don't get another job? What if I move on and I like don't know what to do with myself? And that's part of this process of being sovereign is being able to go through those emotions and be willing to like see what you find out about yourself. Absolutely. And I think having a group of people around you that uh, you are confident in their support Mm -hmm. and their compassion, love and non-judgment. I think that's so important. And I I don't know if people understand that about coaches (laughs) that, you know, we all have families and our families are great. and, And hopefully your family is one of love and support and compassion, but that's not necessarily always the case. But A coach is someone that, yes, you pay, but you're paying them to be objective, supportive, a, you know, a sounding board and to help you figure out what is right for you. It's like the most selfish and selfless thing I feel like a person could do for for both themselves and their family, those people that are around them, because when you figure that out for yourself, then you can show up and you can be that loving wife, husband, sibling, you know, spouse, whatever it is, uh, in such a deeper way. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said at the beginning, that as women, we tend to like be so selfless and not think of ourselves where when I'm coaching these moms and wives and these women, they're stepping into who they are. And because they're using their time, energy, and resources on improving their themselves, everybody around them benefits. Their husbands change, their kids change, the people that they hang out with change. It's so powerful what we can do when we focus on ourselves. So I say like my husband now, he's like, anything you want to do, like I'll dump so much money into you, Jessica, like (laughs) you just do that because it benefits all of us. So if women really saw and understood that, I mean, that's when the world would really change. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Oh my gosh. And I love what you just said, like owning what you discover. So we've talked about awareness. And we've talked about, you know, making steps to change, but I think there is a lot of this self-introspection, self-work. There's the whole realm of self-help that's out there. Once you're aware, then are you going to say, yes, now I'm, I'm going to commit to stepping into what I was brought on this planet to do? and be not to do, but to be, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm catching myself too. And my own words, like, I think we need to talk more about how we, how we are here, how we 
be be in the world. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's a couple things that go into play, right? As women, like we're supposed to be graceful and happy and you know, carry the weight of families and jobs on our shoulders and do it all with a smile right? And Mm -hmm. that's just not the way the world works. Like we're humans and we have human emotions, which means the more we put on a smile when we're feeling resentful or we're feeling frustrated, the more that's going to come back to bite us in the end. We're going to get frustrated with our kids for no good reason. We're going to get lash out at our husband for doing something very small, right? The better we're able to recognize that part of this human experience is both these positive emotions and these negative emotions, we can really show up in this world in like a very authentic way. So one of the things that I also, um, sort of notice is that you tend to work with women that are sort of in midlife. And so why did you pick that? Cause I love that. I mean, yeah. So tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because I mean, it's, I couldn't think of a better term for it. So for midlife, I mean, anybody that's had kids and they got past that baby phase. So maybe their kids are like three or four, all the way up to kids that, you know, have left the house already. And it's this phase of woman that's figuring out who she is, right? We change at this part of our lives, like our early to mid thirties up until our early fifties, we were recreating ourselves. We're thinking, okay, this is who I was in my twenties. I've grown, I've evolved. Who am I going to be moving forward as I continue my life? And that's the woman I want to work for, work with. Like the richness and the depth of the women that I coach is so palpable of, 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 like they have so much, but they know that there's more for them. Or it's not like nobody's like a hot mess that I'm working with. We literally tweak little things here or there and their lives change so quickly because that's all it's taking is little, little changes, new perspectives, a tool here, a tool there, and everything opens up. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's significant too, because, uh, just the whole concept will equal like, look, what if I don't have a big problem to solve, <laughs> yeah. but I'm still not feeling fulfilled. And another yeah. thing is sometimes if we've had a problem for so long and we've tried different ways to solve it, we think it's not a problem anymore. We think that's just something we have to deal with the rest of our lives. So oftentimes when I'm talking to women, they're like, oh, that's just how I am. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Just because you haven't been able to solve that problem before doesn't mean it's not solvable. Sometimes you just haven't used the right tools or had the right coaching on that to make that a problem that you can, uh, you know, change or create exactly what you want from it. So that's kind of an interesting take too. Yes. So um, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm all over the place today. Tell me more about your prescriptive meditation. I love that, that phrase too. Yeah. Okay. So this is so interesting. So a lot of times when we're doing coaching, we work with a coach to change our conscious thoughts. So what that means is we're at a stoplight and the person in front of us isn't moving. And we have lots of thoughts that they should be moving. And this is frustrating. And who are they? And why are they stopped there? Right? So when we coach, we start creating different conscious thoughts about that. 
Now, what we don't realize is in the back of our mind, we're thinking about, we have subconscious thoughts that are running in a loop that we're not even aware of. These are thoughts that have been patterned or ingrained in our mind for years and years and years, and they're running on autopilot. And really, they're running the show for like creating what we're doing in our life. So what I do is I coach all my clients, but I also work with prescriptive meditations, which are specific meditations from the Kundalini tradition that work to clear those subconscious patterns. So basically like wipe the table clean so that when we want to pick new thoughts to create what we want in our life, it's very simple. It's a very easy task. Now, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, of course, but it makes the whole process easier. So once I've been working with my clients for a couple of sessions, I start to see where things are getting a little sticky and the changes they want to make. And I'll pick up a, a meditation from my library of meditations and prescribe it for them to do every day to help us accelerate the change they're seeing. And the, the meditations, I'm not talking about like locking yourself in a room for 30 minutes and saying, um, I'm talking about you're sitting in the car waiting to pick up your kids from school. You have three minutes and you do this meditation in the car. It's like a very householder tradition. Oh, fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a, a familiar with Kundalini a little bit, I would say. And so are these also, I know some Kundalini meditations can involve um, movement as well, or these like more of like sitting still and like you said, like can be done in the car or. Yeah, the movement, movement meditations, there's some, most of the prescriptive meditations I do, if you're moving anything, it's in your, it's your arms in a seated okay. position. Okay. Yeah. Cool. In Kundalini, yeah, we do do some yoga, um, but that's not, most of the meditations I'm giving aren't any yoga-based meditations. Okay. Fantastic. Have you found, this is sort of like a random question, but have you found <laughs> that happiness is one of those things that you can sort of like brush over and, you know, cause it's a very general term, but in, and you hear it a lot in the life coaching and health coaching world, you know, I help my clients uncover and find their happiness. So have you found that that's like pretty ubiquitous, like, and it means the same thing for everyone or, um, how do you see that unfold for your clients? Yeah. So I think everybody's searching for happiness, but oftentimes we're searching for it for the wrong reasons, right? We're looking for this feeling of happiness because we feel empty or we feel unsupported by our spouse or we feel like our kids aren't grateful. So we want to be happy in all these other ways to compensate for that. So through our coaching, what I teach my clients is we actually want to create a life where we feel very alive. Like we're feeling feelings. Like if our, if our kid does something that hurts us, we're, we're able to deal with that emotion of sadness or hurt. And then we're able to work through that relationship and mend that relationship. So I think that's more important to me, but I mean, when you use the word happiness, like everybody thinks they want that, but they actually want so many other feelings. They're just not sure how to like label those or get those. So we throw it under the umbrella of feeling happy. Yes, absolutely. I think that's so true. I'm glad you said that, that 
that term is just thrown around so loosely and we're like, oh yeah, we want to be happy. Duh. Who doesn't want to be happy? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's really like, but what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Because happiness, I feel like is a state of being, mm-hmm. but it does come with other feelings. And there's so, there's such a, a depth and a breadth of feelings that that could, that, that could be. And in so many various facets of life. Yeah. yeah. Cause like in one situation I might be happy, but like excited, happy. And another situation I might be happy, but like in a loved way, like I'm feeling really loved. So I'm happy. Right. And another way it might be, I'm feeling happy because I'm, I was able to achieve something. So it's like an achievement happiness. Right. So there's all these other like sub feelings for happiness that once we can identify those, those are really what we're looking for. Yeah. And I think too, I think, and this also comes back to the sovereignty aspect of understanding that all of these things come from within us, that it's not from outside stuff. And that even though we are married and we do have families and we do have careers, that those things are not what decides our happiness. We get to decide. And, you know, we can decide how we feel and respond to any of those outside situations. Exactly. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning with your feelings, right? If I want to create a certain feeling, I don't get that feeling by what's happening on the outside. I get that feeling by thinking whatever I want about anything that's happening. And it's crazy. When we were taking our around the world trip, we were visiting Thailand and Thailand is the land of a thousand smiles. And my kids at the time were six, eight, and 10. And we had seen poverty there like we had never seen in the United States. And at the time, my six-year-old said to me, mom, how come all these people living in shacks are so happy? And that was because they were thinking very certain things about their situation that was making them feel happy, right? Mm -hmm. We couldn't fathom that living in a situation like that in the U.S. that somebody could be happy, but that's how those feelings are created. They're created through our thoughts. Yes, yes, I love that. And yes, and I think that also goes back to getting away from the shoulds, you know, our, our, the, the U S societal norms and who is like really taking a step back to, to ask, like, who is telling me that this is what my, you know, work life should look like, or this is what my family life should look like, or this is what, you know, my home life, where I live, how I live, all of these things, like who's deciding that. And then And ultimately, am I choosing to take it on? Exactly. And I think that was the silver lining of the pandemic, right? Is everybody was forced into these different working situations and they're like, wait a minute, I thought I always had to commute into an office and now I actually can save an hour and a half of my day by working out of my home. Like this changes my quality of life, right? Yes. Yeah. So many, I, you know, I mean, the pandemic, it is what it is on so many different levels, but I do feel there were some huge silver linings. And ultimately I think 
I think that the world is in this process of a huge awakening and awareness anyway. And I think that the pandemic really sped that up. Yes. Yes. I, I yeah. couldn't agree more. Which is good. <laughs> I think it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, on planet Earth, it's a it's a world of polarity. You can't have the good without the bad. And if you were to send someone off with um, even just like some first steps or maybe some next steps, uh, what would what would you advise for people? You know, sort of like in that position of searching. Yeah, I love this question because so oftentimes we decide what we can and can't have in our life by if we know how to get it, right? So we go after a job that we know that we can get, or we go after a certain dream that we know the steps to achieve. And what I'd like to offer is when you're dreaming or when you're trying to create your life, touch base with yourself and and think about what it is that you want. You shouldn't know how to get it. And that's when you know you've landed on something really good. So once you figure out what you want, then reverse engineer the process to figure out how you're going to get it. And that's going to include some outside of the box brainstorming to actually figure out how that's going to happen. And I step my clients through this all the time, but it's really powerful to look at something that seems so impossible or so unachievable and then reverse engineer it and for them to say, oh my gosh, I see the way now. I see how I'm going to actually make this happen. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And, and I think that is so powerful. And I think the only other thing I would add to that, maybe like uh, also to like uh, one of the tools that I use is our statements. So because that opens us up to the possibility yes. of what would it take for me to um, have this dream living, dream career, dream, you know, like whether it's living in a ski town or, you know, living the travel van life or, you know, leaving my corporate job, whatever it is, like, what would it take? You know, let, let's even just entertain that. And having the courage to brainstorm, I think that's a big step that a lot of people don't allow themselves to take. Yes, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Awesome. So tell us where people can find you and, um, and anything else that you want people to know before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, the one last thing I would just say is so oftentimes people um, will start thinking about what they want and all the things that they want to change in their life. And it could be something like they just want to organize their meal planning to like, we want to take a trip around the world. And what happens is we start feeling scared or uncertain. And we think, okay, I don't want to feel that way. So I'm going to stop. But I just want to encourage you that if you start feeling uncertain or you start feeling fearful, like lean into it, it's a sign that you're doing something different and you'll create change in your life. So be aware of that. It's a good thing. Um, And for people to find me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Jessica Klasnick. And my website is Jessica Klasnick. That's K-L-A-S-N-I-C-K.com. Fantastic. And I will put all of these links in the show notes page. And Jessica, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. And um, I look forward to actually circling back in the future and having some more juicy conversations. 
I love it. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you.